0: Before we start today's show I want to give a shout out to our partners for this podcast Vitality. They are an essential part of me being able to facilitate these conversations. I've been an ambassador now with Vitality for several years and always the one thing that stands out most for me is just how much they care about people's health and are so keen to enhance their experience of life whatever way they can they understand as much as i do i think it's never about quick fixes or the one pill fixes everything it's about the small healthy proactive behaviors sustained through a lifetime that can lead to incredible differences not only does vitality protect members with award-winning cover but they also offer discounts on gym membership trainers activity trackers and healthy food too so you can take the small steps to make the meaningful changes head to vitality.co.uk for more information. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there, and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me on the I Am podcast. Today's episode is one for the sports fans, because I'm chatting to an old teammate of mine, Joe van Niekerk, someone who played 52 times for the Springbok South African international rugby team, but also with Toulon rugby team in France, where we together won two Heineken Cups and a French League Championship. And whilst we do talk about sport a fair bit today, this episode is not so much about what went well in Joe's sporting achievements, but more about the struggles that were going on under the surface and his path inwards towards an amazing growth and transformation. I have a shorter episode released on Tuesday this week that digs a little further into some of the core themes of this episode and also some of the parts that really, really resonate with me. So give it a listen if you're interested in taking things a little deeper. These Thursday episodes, as ever, are just for the guests. I'm your host, Johnny Wilkinson. This is I Am with Joe Van Joe joe van Niekirk, great to have you with us this is the i am podcast and we are so so happy to have you on an old teammate an old adversary and uh, and now someone i definitely want to to catch up with and hear your news how are you
1: mate thanks so much first of all for having me on here when i got the call from you i was obviously i was just like we haven't spoken for so long so it's just to come here with you on your podcast is, is an absolute honor, brother. So thanks so much for having me here.
0: My pleasure. mate. The I Am podcast is looking at the incredible possibilities and potential that exists in who we are, essentially. And a lot of that's to do with transformation uh, and what that what's revealed through those, those moments in life. And I, I kind of want to delve into yours. I didn't know too much about you before we played against each other on the field. We had the privilege of playing alongside each other for a good five years. And I haven't known too much about you after that, but I know there's been transformations. I'd love to hear about them. So do you mind giving us a little bit of a background just about your story, essentially, an overarching view of what it's like to be Joe Van Nika and what it's been like?
1: Mate, thanks so much. Yeah, brother, after we kind of came to the end of our careers, for me, the last six months of us playing, I wasn't kind of in the mix anymore, you know? And so that did a whole lot of things, especially to my ego and to my my ego mind, basically, you know. And as you would know, like from a player's perspective, when, when you're not in the mix anymore and you've been an integral part of the team, many things change for you. And, you know, I could have been quite easily just blaming the coaches and then getting into those little pockets of negativity with other guys around, like why I'm not in the mix. And so for me, towards the end of that playing career, it was kind of the catalyst for me to go inward and so I just kind of looked at that whole process myself and I had time to reflect. And I just went within and said, hey, let me, let me start researching. Let me start seeing how, how people have transcended things in their lives. And as I came through that, I started to study, look into Buddhist principles, into their philosophies of life, and then looked at that situation. And, and instead of kind of being the victim of that situation – becoming the victim of that situation and looking at it as how could I turn this in my favor in the sense that I could accept where I was at that moment or I could resist. And so the acceptance, I think, was a big thing for me in that process. And then I kind of even more so as an energizer towards that team coming in, even if I wasn't like in the mix. I would come in and I would give the same amount of energy or even more just for the boys. And in the end, the team, as you know, you were capitán. You guys went <laughs> on and you won everything, you know. So I think that it truly did help. And I also saw how if I had been negative or I had been carrying like uh, this kind of attitude or a chip on my shoulder, I wouldn't have been able to stay as close as I did to the my teammates as well as the coach in that sense because. When that happens to a player and he's not in the mix anymore, the first thing to say is, oh, you know, it's the coach and he's not selecting me and I'm good enough and I should be there. But then turning that around and arriving each day and saying, hey, how are you, coach? Smiling, looking at him in the eyes, not going the back back routes and talking about him or other teammates, but just keeping that thing positive. And I think for me personally, it shifted a lot because in the end, he actually helped me get my French passport. So it really, <laughs> <laughs> really, truly did
0: help. <laughs> for us, you know, coming towards the end of that playing period from about 2009, 2013, we were playing solidly together. And for me, that was an immense, immense experience. And there were things that you were doing on the field, which still reminded me of you know, the, the big kid in the junior team who's bigger than everyone and just runs around everyone. And yet you weren't bigger than everyone, but you were doing that anyway. And there was some just incredible moments. I know everyone was, was really sad. It's not a re- reflection upon who played or even the coach for who he chose, but just it was a difficult time for everyone, more so than anyone knew, but difficult because yeah, everyone just wanted you you're there. Your intensity reminded me of myself. I found a, good, a real connection there. But these transitions you're talking about now are not necessarily sort of conventional textbook stuff. This isn't the sort of thing you do just because you haven't been selected for a team could you feel that this was part of you waiting to come out or was that kind of difficult period really the full catalyst or was there more to it?
1: Uh, Well, you know, I think what had happened subsequently is I'd gone through other processes just before I came to Toulon uh, where I wasn't kind of in the springback mix anymore either because I got injured and I missed out on that 2007 World Cup competition, victory yeah. and kind of that was all part of this process for me was kind of looking within because my life was kind of falling to pieces at that moment. I mean, I had lost my girlfriend. I was drinking really heavily. I was injured at the time. I wasn't in that World Cup squad. I also had a contract with Northampton. I fell out of favor somehow with that too. So there was about five different things all at once that happened. And that was, I would say, was the first process because as you would know, when you're always in the mix and you're always in teams, you never really have to do anything. You just always, your name is just always on the spreadsheet. You're always there. You're always there. And then all of a sudden I found like, oh wow, I'm not there anymore. Now what? You know, and then kind of reverted to maybe going out and partying and drinking and doing other things that weren't complementary to, to that. And so over time, I I really had to look within and then I got a lifeline to go back to the Lions, which is in Johannesburg, to go and play there with one of my old coaches. And he just said, you know what, we're going to go back to basics. We're going to get you out there. We're going to get you as fit as we can get you, as strong as we can get you. And, and you're going to be back playing and you're going to be playing 80 minutes every week. And so that was the impetus for me and the catalyst to be like, okay, I can, I can do this again. And I've got to just go back to the drawing board i've got to work hard i've got to get clean in my life i yeah, you know, i made shifts in terms of my nutrition what i was putting into my body and so for me definitely that was the start of it and then once i had left i i got back into the mix got back in the spring with team and then i got the contract with toulon from that moment in time when i came to toulon i was actually in a very very good space because i didn't have all the media didn't have all of the you know the past and all of the things that had been happening there so it was like a new start in rugby and i and i know that was pretty yeah, similar for yeah. you too yeah
0: there was a kind of like a rebirth for me i keep saying it, maybe it wasn't the same for you coming from south africa but for me coming from from england you arrive in a place where you're near the sea it's sunny and people are speaking a different language you think you're on holiday. <laughs> So I was I was on I was on holiday and and then someone threw me a ball and it was like, oh, I'm playing as well on holiday whilst playing rugby. And that lasted for about six months before I started turning it into an absolute stress vest. <laughs> but for that six months, you're right. It's like rebirth. You you play for the passion, you play for the joy. There's a couple of things that that really interest me, one of which is is the that sense of alignment on the field where where almost you might call it being in the zone, where you just, there's a a real deep connection to joy, which goes very much beyond words. It's very difficult to explain what it is. And then there's the other part of it, which is the winning and the results and the adulation and the respect or, or the words that come in the media and all those kind of things. Two very, very different Experiences of joy, one for me so much deeper and purer, the other one very fleeting and almost a little bit dangerous. Can you remember a few moments where you really felt like you were in that zone? out there and, and for you what does that represent
1: well wow, that's that's incredible i i just feel i feel it inside of me now it's just you know that when everything is kind of flowing and it feels like you're in that natural flow where it's almost as if the stars are aligned in some way where you just arrive at a specific situation the team may not be doing that well but the flow of the ball everything is coming your way and your brother's going through the tackle and he's just popping the ball and you're running onto it and you're running the perfect unders line and you come there and you just, and then you're through the gap. You don't hear anything. It's just like. How
0: much is going on in your mind?
1: Yeah, this it's an interesting question because it's like, I almost feel like when you're in the zone is not much mind, you know, it's more instinctual. It's like, I'm just in the flow. I'm at the right place at the exact right time. And the more that I get into the zone in that way, the more the things happen for you, you know? And I feel like that was definitely what would happen is all the circumstances, all the conditions were just perfect. The environment, the team you were playing, the everything that led you up until that exact point. And I can remember a few moments like that where everything just seemed to be completely aligned and Everything would be going your way you
0: know? yeah, but there's it's it's strange because about two minutes before you leave the dressing room when you're in the changing room, and there's very few people in the zone in that space there's everyone everyone's doing their best to give the best example of what it's like to be out of the zone by. <laughs> Like I said, the, this mind is everywhere. All you can think of is what if this, what if that? People are running around kind of shaking and knocking themselves over the head. And, and the changing room smells terrible. <laughs> it smells awful. And there's no sense, do you know what I mean? There's no calm. There's no flow. There's no allowing. I really found myself at that end of the scale before games. I found myself desperately out of the zone. For me, when you were playing as, as captain and you were delivering your team talk there was such intensity you never know what's going on behind people's eyes
1: wow I think that one of the roles definitely as a captain for me was being able to get the boys up but I would want to be you know just very high energy high vibe, but definitely from a motivational point of view and then it's about saying the right words hey to kind of touch the sentimental side and for me, a lot of times about like the brotherhood, you know, like what were you prepared to do for your brother? Was it like one of those kind of brave heart kind of team talks in terms of like, okay, so there's no doubt about it. Like specifically with the team at Toulon, each and every single player was world-class. And so, you know, you knew you had it from that perspective. Obviously, you had to get your strategy right. But then it was like, okay, well, are we going to get up for each other? and play for each other and so i think for me most of the time it was it was really getting riled up around that like really using that momentum as a tool to be able to come together and then obviously each and every single player just getting that unified brotherhood going and and it was really easier to learn you know with the players as you would know I, i think that was the big thing is that we had so many different cultures and that can actually be a massive strength you know but then some people would say, oh, that can also be a weakness. So for us, it definitely became a strength. And we we did. We were this team full of mercenaries that everyone always spoke about, but that we played for each other at the end of the day. I was playing for my English mate, for my Australian mate, for my Fiji brother, like all of them. And, and so that was some really memorable, exceptional times. Like just some of the banter, you know, some of the banter was also just so, so good.
0: I think uh, for for me the, the being at that club was really interesting because you got together with loads of people that you played against and you all came carrying certain you know, reputations, whatever they were, and you mm. everyone wanted to almost prove themselves to each other to almost sort of remind each other of that. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm worthy of being here, and there was a catalyst for some incredible things to come out. But there was also still in amongst that dressing room for me of. A lot of 30 plus year old guys who had done everything and played so many games. There was always that fear, almost like the zone of people expressing their ability versus their minds almost desperately seeking reassurance. Yeah, it was almost yeah, like that yeah. that double, almost fear versus joy. And for me, the the fear part of it was really interesting because there's one game we were playing, the the final of the European Cup in 2013 and, and you were on the bench and I was playing and I was captain but you were also captain because we were captains of the 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 team and for that game I was on the field and you you were sort of uh, going to come on and you ended up doing the team talk most of it because with about 5 minutes to go I'd come in from doing my warm up my kicking warm up <laughs> and I couldn't hit a barn door <laughs> I was terrible and and my head was gone <laughs> completely so I wandered into the changing room and I've gone straight to my bag, grabbed my phone and walked off and and sort of like hurried off to the toilet. And I'm sort of crouching oh, down I'm by serious. the toilet, desperately trying to phone oh. my kicking coach. And it's like three minutes to kick off. <laughs> oh, it's three minutes to kick off. And he's not going to answer. And if he if he does, I'm thinking he's got no life of his own because what's he doing waiting for this? So I'm I'm kind of sat by the toilet and i'm shaking trying to call him trying to call him looking at the phone being like please yeah. pick up in the meantime the guys are like where's johnny gone just ringing I'm my sort of like, oh, coming from the toilet and and you it, it got <laughs> just, just, yeah but you know what it was like having your phone in the changing room you're not supposed to have your phone in the changing you know. You never are. And I'm trying to speak to someone with a minute to kick off. So I'm kind of there thinking, why won't he pick up? And in the end, I walked out and hid my phone behind my back. just be like, sorry about that, guys, you know, sort of thing. And they're like, yeah, well, the referee's knocking on the door. You're doing the team talk for the guy. So I kind of put my arm. And there was a moment there where you kind of make that choice to look around the guys around you and sort of say, do you know what? You've got to do it or or not. And as it was, that the game went fine. But it was a moment there where I would have done anything at that point to have some kind of guarantee. But actually, when you went out in the field, it was the lack of guarantee that made everything so beautiful. It was the open-ended anything is possible nature that allowed for that instinct, allowed for that, Mm. you to do things you never could imagine in that zone because it was all left unknown, because you hadn't pre-planned it, because you hadn't got exactly what you wanted. But that fear, and I'm really interested in, in this now talking about your exploration afterwards, what is it that has come out of that or has is coming out of that exploration after the career? Because some things that it's in life in general, but in a sporting career, there's so much comparison going on between yourself and someone else. There's so much self-worth invested in whether someone decides you're in the team or you're not, whether yeah. a newspaper says you've done well or not, whether you win or you don't. There's so much self-worth invested And I was injured and I wasn't selected during my career for for many times. And and the same as what you're speaking about. And immediately when that happens, without even choosing it, your (laughs) self-worth gets ripped out along with that decision.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's an absolutely massive point. Because I think when you, you know, for so long, you kind of like built up this image, the construct of where you've been, what you've done, all of these things. And it kind of like, Builds this like really strong ego. And as you say, then how am I then reacting to what other people say about me? You know, and we become so susceptible to other people's opinions and what they think about us. And it's only that part of us that actually gets hurt. But once we start to delve into the deeper reality of what we are we sort of come to see that all of these years of all of this that we've built up, this identity of who we think we are, and that's if anything, the last seven years, eight years of doing some of the deeper work, inner work, I've seen that the peace lies in us actually dissolving that. And it's a hard point to accept because we've been doing this for so long. And as you would probably concur, is like, this realization comes along how important are all of these things and all those accolades, all those achievements, you know, for, for most of our lives, we've been trained and programmed to believe that this is what I need to do. And all of that striving to win things is, is a beautiful process and it's wonderful, but how many other sports men and women have we spoken to when they come to the end of their careers they feel like they've won everything, but they feel like there's a void that hasn't been fulfilled. And what is that? Why? Why are they feeling that way? Because they've achieved everything that you can in the sport and what society deems as the perfect life. But when I've come onto the spiritual path, I see more about what is it that we want to experience in this life? You know, Do we want more peace presence, love, happiness, joy, am I content? So that definitely has been part of the exploration for me. So I really see it as definitely a a dissolving of those constructs that we have held on to so dearly for so many lifetimes.
0: What's really interesting is going back to that, speaking about how, when you're in the zone, Mm. and we're speaking about that there's really not much mind going on, is that for me anyway, in that space of the zone, it was often when things get quite chaotic that you become really instinctive when there's so much going on, you're right in the thick of the action. But what I seem to realize is that you stop being aware of you trying to do anything Mm. and you become very much connected to what you're doing and involved in it to such a level that there's no real separation between you and what you're doing. Mm. And there's no separation between you and, the opposition, you seem to start to know what they're about to do. You can't explain how, but you seem to just, it all works out. And in that moment, if you could think to yourself, it's almost like, yes, of course, yeah, of course that's going to happen. I, I'm I, I'm pulling all these strings. And the interesting thing for me in this was that, I know rugby players always speak about it, and other sportsmen as well, I guess, about being in that zone. And that that's not far away from from being in that absolute, moment of joy but the thing that i used to do was equate that or at least to give the responsibility for that i would give to all the suffering in the change room i'd say oh, i was able to be like that because of all that suffering mm. and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to do some more suffering mm. so i can have some more joy but the more suffering led to less joy and then i was like oh my i better up the suffering <laughs> because my <laughs> suffering game's poor <laughs> <laughs> and so I went harder on the suffering until I was left at the end, of, towards the end of a career, with nothing but suffering. And even the games, you know, by the end of the game, you get to the change room after the game, and all you can do is that, yeah, yeah, and just be like, "Wow, thank God we got through that." But the, the teacher is almost there in ourselves. We've been there, and the beauty of it being that almost two minutes before you're in the change room in an absolute mess, and two minutes later you're in the zone it can happen like that, but just that for some reason, when the whistle goes, you just let go mm, mm, mm. because either there's no time or something in you recognizes that it's not helpful to be in that state in any way. It just gets in the way, but it's so, like you said, there's many paths, but they're very, very tricky. But one thing I feel definitely, as we were speaking, out it gets a bit lost is that you do need your training. You need to train the body. You need to understand the mind and game plans and understand competition and what have you, but that that remains a game and there's a much deeper awareness that there's you playing the game, mm. that you don't get lost in the game. But just with that inside the life that we live together, do you think there's a place for what you're talking about now, whether it be sports, and, and, and I know it's existing in education a, a bit more and more or other areas of life, but certainly in pro sport, Do you think there's a place for establishing that distance and whatever you want to call it, that awareness of who you really are so that you can play the game fully as opposed to get lost in it?
1: That's a beautiful question. Because also, if you ask me what I know now, would I have been able to continue to perform or would I even want to perform? (laughs) You know, it's like... I definitely feel that there's a place within the sport. I think I think as you mentioned, the calmer our minds, the better our decisions, for sure. We'll be making the right decision from that place of we can call it intuition or instinct. And I think just generally from when we were playing We would switch into that mode anyway, as you mentioned, rather than kind of trying to strategize something. You would maybe just take it to the line when you felt or you would feel like you would be sensing as opposed to trying to like think your way through it, you know. So I definitely feel there's a place within the sport for it. But I also question to (laughs) why. what degree you know because it's very interesting it's like i think that some people have these out-of-body experiences with the different medicines that exist and or whether that's even through their meditation and they come to the recognition of these other planes of consciousness not just this kind of physical plane that we live on material plane and that can also awaken completely different things within us you know and so would you be then as effective on the pitch, I'm not sure, but I do recognize the the you know the benefits of meditation. Without doubt, about you know obviously this calming of our minds, and then just obviously seeing the mechanism of mind and how it works, and and potentially how that could make us calmer leading into a game, you know. But whether it's a good thing to say that players have these kind of revelations where they see the universe for the first time and they're like oh my gosh like them they may even walk out of the sport well then it would probably be
0: (laughs) yeah it's quite cool because i think with being able to follow your passion fully the idea that for me anyway speaking about this when i was 18 years old i didn't really have that an idea of who I was, or maybe I I did when I was at school, but when I went into a professional rugby changing room and I was 18 and I'd not played a game before I revealed to myself, as you mentioned before, I'm a nobody in here and I had nothing to protect. So therefore I just went, went out there and explored everything. If I got five minutes on the training field, I was kind of like, wow, this is incredible. Fast forward eight years. And now I'm a somebody (laughs) and I've got all that somebody to protect and I'm I'm moaning about the fact that I'm not playing every game. I'm complaining about how these unprofessional teammates of mine, how dare they do this and that. I'm talking about pressure and expectation and fear. And uh, whereas for, you know, come back eight years, I'm talking about privilege and joy and just just almost heaven on earth. And of course, when I'm eighteen, I had techniques to learn and I had experienced again about how the the game works. But I was so much more powerful as an energy in that space, for sure. You know, and I, I wasn't divisive. You know, like you mentioned before about going mind people's backs, having comments about them. You know, when you become a someone, that's kind of what you do. I'm like full of these opinions <laughs> and I'm gonna <laughs> cut people in half with them because that's what you do as a captain. You cut people down. <laughs> you you chop away people's self-worth. It's but it's 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 but it's true It's it's mad. And then you get to a stage where I guess we were a little bit more too long where you kind of been through the mill so much, you kind of just go, Oh, I'm tired oh. of trying to protect everything. So why not? You just sort of go, look, go on off you go do that. And suddenly it starts working <laughs> because you start saying, why don't you just be you don't try and be who I want you to be. You just be you and go and do that. And suddenly you're like, really, can I be me? I'm going to go. And you're yeah. like, wow, you're amazing. But I was, I went through that journey definitely. And, and one thing I was very aware of, and you mentioned about that shedding of, who you were one thing I was so so aware of was I felt like humiliation was just around the corner for me in every game in some Mm -hmm, kind of way mm -hmm. I felt humiliated all the time because of that this is who I am and this is how things should be if they didn't go that way the shame and the guilt I felt about making mistakes and the 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 Mm -hmm. humiliation I felt in video meetings you know when they'd show something that hadn't gone (laughs) right, burns it burnt me up inside the humiliation was kind of almost as if I'd I was being and and, but yet that humiliation is was such a powerful teacher almost (laughs) is trying to say to you just let go let go yeah so what's what's what does this all all mean to you in terms of your inner work and the shedding what's that been like
1: I think what you mentioned there is so interesting and because it's like this humiliation and kind of when we get to those team videos, as you mentioned, like what the driving factor behind when you see yourself making that error or that mistake and the rest of your buddies see it. And it's kind of like, Oh wow. It's like putting you on the spot, you know, but then again, like who is it putting on the spot in that situation? You know? And so it's really, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And then also, This thing that I've seen, brother, is about this letting go. And one beautiful Buddhist lama, he came here to the valley and he spoke about the three reasons for suffering. And one of them was attachment, one of them was anger, and one of them, so it's attachment, anger, and ignorance. So those three. And so what I've seen around the lesson about the letting go I really feel letting go is an art because a lot of times, like we may project into the future and we may say, Okay, I want to control this situation. I want it to be a certain way. And then sometimes the universe delivers that thing to us and we're like, Yes, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. You know, and you can't believe it. And you're overjoyed by this landing in your lap sometimes, just without you even having to do anything. It just lands. But then it comes very fine line between how then thereafter that you could potentially enjoy that thing that has arrived and be grateful for it. And then also recognize that in that moment you have a choice and that choice you either attach to that thing or you enjoy it for the moment that it's there. And then the art of letting go comes in and say, thank you so much. If that needs to go, it can go because I've just, had the biggest blessing. And so I really feel like that's an art, you know, being able to let go. And especially with things that are transient within our lives, like people come and go, you know, different things that we may get may perish, all, all of these different things in our lives. And when we can actually look at it from that perspective, we can, you know, we can let those things go and we can let the flow of that happen without us being, necessarily attached but i see what happens it's like an automatic thing that we now then want to attach and we want to con- kind of control that situation and all that being or whatever it is you know and maybe because it's bringing us pleasure and so there i really feel like there's a lot of work within that and i also do see how how that leads to suffering
0: yeah it's kind of interesting that i come back to me as an 18 year old in that you have a huge amount of willpower and desire and you're so sure of what you want, but you haven't been influenced by seeing too much. So you still remain open to how it may come to you. But then once you've Mm. been through a load of stuff, you start getting these ideas that that's how it always works. Okay. That's what that person Mm. does. That's what it takes to win. That's what it is. And suddenly all these rules come in. And so you have the same, sort of drive but now you have a very distinct idea of how it must happen and when it doesn't suddenly you're angry and then suddenly you get the fear that it may never happen because actually oh right now that condition is missing and I know that I need that to work to be successful and that means I can never be what if that goes missing what if this what if this and I think uh, you, you mentioned letting go and becoming open again is almost the same idea as everything you go through you carry with you and then you wonder why you start walking slower and it feels like you're looking more at the ground as you're getting more and more weighed down by what you're carrying. And I feel also that, that for me as well, going to Toulon at the age of 30, I felt younger than I felt at 24 because I just felt like you just drop it. And suddenly from an age perspective, once I stop carrying that with me, you feel young again. You feel that kind of vibrance and that energy. But what does it take on a, on a um, daily basis and what does that involve? I'm really interested because one of the things is, as rugby guys, from a resilience perspective, it was always a case of almost get up and do it again. You know, you get injured, get fit, do it again. And you cope with pressure. You don't explore it and see if it really exists and see if you actually need yeah. it in your life. You cope with it. And I'm just wondering, what does that, what does your practice look like now in terms of if you're trying to let this go, then it must be different to what you've been doing before with it. That, how are you? How are you moving inwards rather than
1: outwards again? that's yes, such a beautiful conversation. Oh, I, I definitely feel, brother, that, that the big, big thing for me now is to trust the higher intelligence with everything that I have, because what I've seen from my past experiences is that when I don't trust that, and I have my, from my egos, like a A projection of how i want it to be it's not the higher path so to really feel and sense as opposed to like just giving it to my mind but to really feel and sense and then to allow for that higher intelligence to to listen to that and to trust that because normally what happens is in any given situation that higher intelligence is always there And it's always guiding us. And when it arrives and it shows us something, we need to look at that and really listen to it and then follow that path because that's kind of the natural flow. That's the natural being. But then what happens, we give it to the mind and then we create a whole lot of other different stories. And so I've just seen how if I in the past had listened to that more often, I may not have had to learn the hard lessons that I had to learn Just listening into that higher intelligence is truly where it's at for me right now. And and to honor that and to be kind of listening in whenever that comes up. And what do
0: you do with your resistance to that? Say, for example, you know, you said I'm listening to the higher intelligence, but that push to sort of say it's not enough or or it needs to be this or or I'm I'm afraid. What do you do with that, those emotions when those come up? do you go running into the toilet cubicle with your phone like me?
1: (laughs) Is that, is that the general, is that the the Buddhist way? That's one of the best. That's one of the best. (laughs) Go and find the (laughs) guru. Exactly that. Exactly that. So, so what's your method? If you're going to slate mine, what's yours? (laughs) I think it's like anything Walker, you know, like, you know belief is such a powerful gift that we have and and you more than anyone would relate to that because the belief in yourself the belief to transcend the belief like we've got all these beliefs that we carry and that we reinforce with just through our thought processes we we give that attention we give that energy and then it just it just keeps reinforcing that thing and so i think the same can be said when we listen into our in the guidance to our high intelligence is that when the more that we listen in the more we trust that the more we reinforce the actual that you know so obviously as you mentioned like it's not about perfection when it comes to that because obviously there's there's other there's other um, aspects that could be related to certain situations from our past from lives before or you know that we've carried within our dna so we could be it could be harder for us to shrug certain things off, you know, as well as what I mean is like for us over the years, maybe we've been reinforcing a specific belief for a long, long time. And so to actually shed those things can be tougher than actually just saying, okay, listen to your high intelligence because we have believed this thing for so long that it, it, it becomes like something like, you know, and so, that was also part of this, of this, just the observation, not from a perspective okay, like I'm the observer, but just from this impersonal place that just seeing the things unfold and allowing for those things to unfold as opposed to then once again kind of grasping or, or, or attaching to that specific thing or identifying with it. That must take
0: you know, quite a lot of courage and vulnerability, to, to because when you're saying allow, it sounds like you just allow it. But actually, when you're talking about allowing in the space of, an, of an, a massive urge with so much momentum that's been built over the years, it's pushing in a direction to turn and face the fear in essentially, I guess, a more silent, less combative manner and just allow I mean, that's that's courageous. That's that's going back towards, you know, the same idea of going out there and facing another team in front of 80,000 supporters. That's no difference. The vulnerability there versus turning and facing your, your kind of challenge and going into the unknown, taking one conscious step into the unknown. That's huge. Yeah. You know, are those steps happening for you? Is it, does it feel vulnerable? Is, does it feel, you know, challenging
1: at times? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I think that when I identify with, my personal story so that could be part of my own like my conditioning basically it's almost like a reflex you know natural being is like our reflex to want to identify with the story that's going on in our minds like all my conditioning where i've been and kind of my identification with that And obviously there's certain things that arrive in our lives that kind of trigger that for me, what came up for me a lot around this was the idea of winning and losing because as a sportsman, we got that built within our, within our psyche, you know, well, am I going to win or am I going to lose? So how much of that comes into play when a certain situation arrives? And I saw that within myself, like, For me, presence became elusive because it was like I then identified with that and then and the story of being the winner. And so I kind of like went into this whole stream of like how I'm gonna win the situation, no matter what that other person was feeling. Maybe, maybe, and and I related to relationship, but maybe this woman that I was wanting to win over just didn't want (laughs) to be with me, you know. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like I'm creating this whole story how I'm gonna win. So going all the way back to the very beginning of that particular situation was 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 the higher intelligence. The higher intelligence gave me that wisdom right in the beginning, but because I was then giving it to my mind and that whole ideology of like, oh uh, wanting to win came out within me, I ended up suffering for longer. And just prolonging that situation up until a point where, where you know, we were in our own ways, you know. and But that could have all been subjugated or that was all seen way before that even, you know, that continuation of that specific situation.
0: It's funny with those kind of things, like in the game, when you're in the zone space, there's no kind of winning or losing. It's just connection. You're just absolutely connected mm. to what you're, what you're doing as it. There is no, I'm trying to win this situation. It's an absolute now experience of just, I'm just allowing my role to take place within it. And when it comes to, like you said, mm. relationship-wise or with with other people, it's the connection we're looking for, but there can be no connection when, you know, I mentioned this before, for, for me, it's really important that with other people you meet in life, if if you're using them as a reference for how good you are or how well you're doing, or whether, or you're trying to use them to help yeah. you feel better in the way that you want them to think a certain way, then you're just using them. And you can't connect whilst yeah. using someone to somehow come back to, I feel better if you do this, I'll feel better if you say this, yeah. I'll feel better if you think this. Yeah it's instead of actually connecting and, and allowing coming back to that two line experience of just actually eventually going you know it's going to be a hell of a lot easier if we all just allow each other to be how we want to be and draw the line with some things which clearly aren't helping but we all agree on that and then we just go right the rest of it just be be you but it's really kind of powerful there's a couple of things i want to I want to ask you to finish on on this one, one of them is with the rugby thing one thing that's really important during that especially in the sports it's so much based on your body how you're physically geared up to to take on this to play and it's important to train the body to be effective but that also becomes an interesting relationship with the body when it starts being seen as just a machine to get you from a to b or to achieve this and in the early part of this interview you mentioned about you know what what you put into your body your view of that's changed and the thing is, I think what gets missed a little bit in in the environment we were in or, or, or in the environment we may have been in is that health is almost kind of misrepresented and it becomes fitness. People think that fitness is health. And in fact, actually, fitness is, is, mm-hmm. is stressing the body quite heavily. And I'm, I'm wondering, what's your view now on you physically? But once you finish playing, it doesn't, necessarily assist you to be six, four and seventeen stone, you know, because actually that becomes a bit painful, especially if you're trying to sit in inside small, you know, aeroplane cabins or whatever. I not you may be the six foot four thing you might not be able to do much about. <laughs> but 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 now, what does that
1: mean to you, physical, the body? Yeah, what's what's happening with you in that space? Ah, oh, what well, I just to mention that, that that one I think it's like a, a slogan, but health is the greatest wealth. I truly sense that now. We pushed it really hard, you know, and I know that I pushed it hard on and off the field. And reaching my 40s, I've really kind of recognized how all the material in the world doesn't compare to, like, health. And I can remember the very first time I had an experience of what it felt like to be healthy and 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 not from a perspective of stimulation, not from a perspective of, okay, I'll just take these Voltaren now and I'll play the game and I'll be fine. Or I'll whatever numb the body in a certain way and it will, will be good because there were definitely stages throughout my career where, as you mentioned, the body was just getting you from A to B and it was doing an amazing job. But we half the time I was kind of under the influence of different anti-inflammatories, of different, you know, things that numbed the pain of that body and what the body was showing us. And I'll never forget it, it was it was a couple of weeks after the grand final, after we won after we won everything. I I remember having actually quite painfully for me. Going through the celebration of that, as much as I was happy and elated and, and so, you know, very, very happy for all my teammates or for everyone, but for my own personal process, it was one of the, also one of the catalysts because I had reached that point with alcohol that I just couldn't do it anymore. And I kind of pushed myself to do it to celebrate with the team, but I had reached that point where there was just, I was done. And so I remember the next day I woke up and my whole body was just in inflammation. And I, I said to myself in that moment, that is me, I'm done. And I'm finished with the chemical drugs. I'm finished with all of these things, with chemicals in general. And, and I actually went on to a 21-day vegetable and juice fast. And within, I think it was the 12th day of that fast, I had never felt that good in my life. And I literally I can remember driving down the driving down the street, it was still in, in Toulon in Kakiran there. I remember driving and just thinking, oh my gosh, like the amount of energy that I had, how I felt my body for the very first time just just was in a completely different state. And I just, I just remember having that kind of light light bulb moment, you know, where I just recognized, oh, wow, this, is this what health feels like, you know? And as you mentioned, like the difference between fitness and health, and, and I think both of us can relate and you even more than anyone else, because you you came to any career, the amount that you trained, I think was like, you were training more than, than what these young kids were training and, and smashing them into the ground, like, I can remember running five minute runs where you were all the way caning it. But as you mentioned, is fitness health? You know, or do we look do we look at it from the perspective of health first and then what we can offer our bodies from the perspective of fitness, or do or is it the other way around? And I definitely feel like within the sporting circles and within rugby particularly, obviously it's about you know, how fit you are, how strong you are. But then from a perspective of health, how healthy are these boys? Because we'd always always think that, yeah, they're healthy because they're fit or because they're strong. So there's definitely something within what you're touching on there, which is very interesting.
0: And it probably goes hand in hand. I think very difficult to have a big movement in that side without the same movement to a degree happening on a mental and emotional level for it all to link. It's very difficult to suddenly just say, right, well, I'm going to see the body differently, but I'm still going to mentally and emotionally approach this as I must win. It's all about pressure because so much of that for me anyway was just stress. And that's what broke broke down my body in terms of injuries was whether it was physical stress of contact, whether it was physical stress of just running and training or whether it was physical stress of constant anxiety and worry, and, and pressure and and frustration and yeah. angst and all those kind of things and whether it was just a sheer lack of recovery in between the lack of grounding or basing yourself in, in like you said the peace and the silence and the 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 sleep even whatever those things are but so you mentioned you know this amazing yeah. journey you're on which is got it's, it's such a powerful journey because you've got so many different touch points for people You've been in the young space, you've been at the top of the game, you've been injured and down, you've been contemplative in terms of what you're going through across the other side of the world. You've got an organic farm, you know what I mean? like such an amazing stuff. But where do you see yourself now, having been at the top of the game and experienced that adulation and that kind of elation at, at succeeding and achieving goals, and now in a space where you're moving inward seeing challenges in a very different way. How does it compare those two moments? You know, how how is the how is life for you now in terms of happiness and joy, your groundedness? How do you feel?
1: I think it's been a process, you know, of letting go as or, well, you know, of the past and and everything that took place. Like I see so many memories there, so many good things, so much positivity and even those times where things were perceived to be bad were actually some of the catalysts for bringing me to where I am now, to this very day. And so I look at all of those things with a ton of gratitude. And I also, from day to day, this frequency of gratitude, which for me is Just so much part of who I am these days, and for absolutely all the magnificent things within this life, all the blessings that we've been given, the mere fact that I get to be here on this organic farm, and even amongst all of the chaos that's going on out there, and I feel and resonate so deeply with this gratitude. And I also feel. That from being the sportsman and from reaching some of those points, accolades and things like that, I see now how, how valuable humility is. At some point, I've recognized that even if someone came to say that it would be wonderful and I receive what they say, more so now than what I did actually even when I was playing, when they would say good things and bad things, Now more so I'm just like, okay, thank you. I receive this right in my heart. Yet I also know that that is not necessarily around like my ego and who I think I am and all of that. And so it's just a matter of kind of releasing the claimership of anything. And through that, there's a a peace. Is that what was
0: not so accessible when you're sort of talking about career-wise?
1: Is that what you didn't have such a connection to? That peace. I feel that because because of this identification with the personal story, that this universal peace and love that exists was kind of elusive in some way, that we would have the fleeting moments of euphoria, probably more so than a lot of other human beings on this planet, probably within the top I don't know, 5% of people in terms of the elation that comes from winning big sports events and being put on pedestals and then seeing that all of these things are fleeting because it's still something which will pass. But as we come more into the self, we start to recognize that as much as they may spur like beautiful feelings within the body and like the grace that we actually were part of something that something special or that maybe some of these were the driving factors for us when we were playing, you know, the idea that like I'm not worthy or to just like spur us on that when we come to this, the wholeness of what we are, then it's kind of like, okay, wait, but I am worthy without any of these things.
0: In terms of a feeling, that's exactly how I'd put the zone feeling. For a brief moment there, you're complete. You're not lacking anything. You're just, you are finally worthy. And as a result, funnily enough, when you come to that realisation, things start happening for you. The ball bounces exactly <laughs> where you want it to bounce. Everything just pans out for you because finally you realise that coming at it from a sense of I'm all, I'm worthy, is a very creative and dominant space whereas like you said in the changing room beforehand it's that and if that's the the transition then that's a beautiful one and it brings me to my final question which is with everything you've been through it's a not to put you on the spot but maybe relative to how you may have seen it when you were younger and building your your view of your life compared to how you see it what does what does a life well lived mean to you now
1: it's been such an epic conversation today I feel like some of these questions have been so like spot on. And I feel brother, like really feel how, how important for me personally, how important our bonds are and how we are able to share with other human beings and, and also how we are able to serve. And if we can serve from that place that you mentioned, you know, when there's not, there's not a thought just coming from that place of just, Giving, you know, but it's just an overflowing amount of giving, and that service for me really is bringing a lot of joy. And so to be able to share, I think, is one of the big things. To be able to serve, obviously, things also that within our lives that we're passionate about. Because I was, I was contemplating this the other day. It's like, lady said, okay, so if you're going to have a community, so you know, what would you do in that community, and She's a lady from Poland. She said to me, "What are you gonna? Do? What are you, are you gonna work?" And I said, "Work? You think I'm gonna work? Like <laughs> I'm not gonna work." <laughs> we need to. In this community, we shift our perspective about what work is. You know, if it's something that you're passionate about, if you're gonna be passionate about planting broccoli, or you're gonna be passionate about whatever it is that you're passionate about, go for that because that is the absolute essential key to anything for me. So brother, you're just to keep with that, keep this giving and, and, and receiving and being open, continuing then also on this process, the inner process of being able to look at those lessons that through our lives, the, the lessons that we are being shown and then to pick out the nuggets of gold and then being able to be humble enough to say, okay, cool. Like I saw that from my, my ego and I, you know i followed that and it didn't it didn't produce the kind of results that i was expecting be fine with that but i can look at the nuggets of gold within that and then i can grow through that process and then transform those things into within to my being and and through that process grow and be able to then dissolve more and more of of that part of me that you know creates more suffering in the world
0: yeah definitely and that part that in all of us that maybe stops us sharing and serving because it's mainly based on keeping for ourselves and serving ourselves as opposed to... But if it's any consolation to you, mate, what you've shared with me, not just in this conversation, but over our years together has been a huge service. And I'm sure that uh, we will continue on our little journeys and they will intertwine. But it's always difficult to get an outside view because I'm talking from my perspective, you're talking from yours. You've got no idea what this mm. means to someone on the outside but you talk in a way joe that keeps it very it's really powerful to hear you go from in the game to what you're doing now because it's such mm. a big shift in the language you're using it's mm. nice to mm. hear from the outside that that people are kind of listening going this will matter to so many people and also even the fact that we've got some rugby chat in there do you know what i mean we, it wasn't all organic farms and yeah, me just, talking about let it you know yeah emotional
1: <laughs> it go. Go. I mean, health <laughs> and
0: fitness it's kind of like it there's plenty in there for people that want to hear about oh that too long team and like you mentioned yeah brother, you're chatting about and team talks it's yeah it's cool mate, it's really really cool but i can't thank you enough mate you've been uh, a legend in in my in car- a career huge huge influence and it's been beautiful chat and this won't be the last i shall be bothering you you better stay over that side of the world, mate. Because I'm coming after you, <laughs> <laughs> Joey. Thanks.
1: Welcome, yeah, brother. I just also I I we didn't speak for a very long time, brother. But also for me, I think I wrote that in a in a little email to you. But the, the the influence you had on me I was absolutely massive, brother. From from all perspectives and and yeah, just 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 the way that you approach your life. And it's interesting to hear some of your inside like expressions around that and and what actually drove you because you know you could never have said that from an outsider point of view it would have been like it would be like what Johnny's fearing this or Johnny that or you know and that definitely made you the the human that you are brother so i'm so grateful for you and and you're also the way that you touched my life in innumerable ways brother like so grateful for you brother
0: Beautiful. I shall be in touch very soon, mate. We'll have an offline chat where we can uh, <laughs> <laughs> carry on. Beautiful. Delve deep. Delve deep. Mate, listen, go get yourself back into your day. Thanks for giving us your time. Thanks again, brothers. And just like that, we're at the end of another episode of I Am. I'm so, so grateful to all of you for listening in. I'm enormously keen that this be a two-way conversation. So if you've got any thoughts, questions, ideas, anything that's been inspired by these conversations, anything you just want to get off your chest and get out there, then please send them across in the reviews or just get in touch on social media. I absolutely love holding these types of discussions. I do believe there is no more powerful an opportunity in life than to look at what we can make of our time here on earth, individually and collectively. There's so much scope and depth in these conversations and all the learnings and lessons I do feel are limitless. If you haven't already and you want to know a little bit more about why I'm holding this space and talking to these guests, then do head over to the Tuesday episodes. There I'll explain my journey and my history with these people. I'll also use this time to answer any of your questions, so don't hesitate to get in touch. And I'd love it if you'd rate, review, follow and subscribe to the show. Until next week, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to I Am with me, Johnny Wilkinson. This show is brought to you by Mags Creative. The executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith, and our editor is Charles Tomlinson. Before I go, I want to say a final thank you to the sponsors of today's podcast, Vitality. For me, the secret to a happy and healthy life is about living consciously, And when we can align those little things we do and decisions we make every day with the life we really want to live, it really makes a difference. Which is when the team over at Vitality comes in, their comprehensive cover enables us all to live a happier, healthier life. Whether it's through offering discounts on gym memberships at Virgin Active, Nuffield Health or Pure Gym, or on activity trackers from Garmin, Polar and Samsung. For me, I've been an ambassador with Vitality for several years now and undoubtedly the feeling of true support when someone cares about you and your health and your quality of life, it makes a massive difference. So you can take the small steps to make the meaningful changes. Head to vitality.co.uk for more information. Terms and conditions apply.